0: Today, as we study your word in Revelation, Lord, that uh, you help us to heed the warning and uh, uh, to hear the warning that's embedded in this text, Lord, that uh, this world system, this thing you call Babylon, uh, this cosmos, this system in which we live, that it's all coming down, Lord, and that a lot of us, Lord, have our Hearts and our souls uh, set in this world, when Lord, they should really be set on you and and there's a danger lord that that we're so entangled in this world that we miss out on spiritual things, Lord, and that we end up like lot's wife, and so there's just a great lesson here, a reminder to all of us that that uh, we need to uh, be looking up and not looking back as the day approaches when uh, you send your son back to this earth and uh, uh, we enter into the millennium. Lord, Father, I just ask that you uh, open our hearts and our ears to hear this message today and in your word, and I ask that you do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask that in Christ's name, amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of... Uh, Revelation and we will be in uh, chapter number uh, 18 today. Uh, we're heading, uh, we're going to finish chapter 18 and then you guys have made it through the really tough part. It starts. We start really getting into the good stuff. It's all good stuff and it's all truth, but I mean the encouraging stuff, we're going to really uh, start digging into that beginning in chapter number 19. So So uh, let's go through this last chapter on judgment here. There will be a little bit of judgment in the first part of 19, but uh, then we'll get this picture of the millennium and we'll get this picture of heaven and and all the great blessings that are in store for those that know the Lord. Uh, If you remember, uh, back when Jesus was speaking about the end times in the Gospel of Luke, uh, he gave his disciples a very profound warning I don't know if you remember it or not. He was, this was in the context of the end days. He told them, remember Lot's wife. Now, what did he want us to remember about Lot's wife? Well, if you remember Lot's wife, as she was fleeing, as Lot and his wife and his two daughters were fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah as it was being destroyed, what did she do? She looked back. She looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Now, the question is, why did she look back? The reason she looked back was because Sodom and Gomorrah contained the fruit that her soul longed for. I mean, the things that she really wanted in life, the pleasures of life, the stuff, the wealth and power, the position that Lot had in in Sodom and Gomorrah, all of those things that she really longed for were being, were going up in smoke. And she just couldn't give it all up. She couldn't let it go. And so her her heart wasn't with the Lord. Her heart was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so she was turned into a pillar of salt. Now today we're going to be looking at the destruction of the economic center of mystery Babylon. And When it's destroyed, people all over the world, you're going to see this if we look through this text, they're going to mourn. And the reason they're going to mourn, look in in the text in chapter 18. Look down, we'll jump ahead for a minute, all the way down to verse 14. This is why they mourn. It says in verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more. And so here are these people we're going to see in chapter 18, and they're like Lot's wife. They're longing for the things of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the question and when so, um, they're longing for the things of Babylon, which is the modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. And the questions that we want to ask ourselves today as we go through this text, are we so tied to this world system that when it is destroyed, when God brings it down, are we going to be able to give it up? If that's the case, and we want to ask ourselves that question, if that's the case, then we very well might wind up like Lot's wife. Now, I want to set the context here today. Because in the last two chapters, we've been looking at this fall of Mystery Babylon, uh, as as you go back to uh, verse number 5 of 17, Mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. And so far in our study, we've learned this. We've learned that Mystery Babylon is a one-world organization, but it has three components, and, and one component we looked at in chapter 16, or I'm sorry, chapter 17, is this one world religion, which is headquartered in Rome and it's led by the false prophet, the false prophet of the Antichrist. And then the second component of this one world organization is the government and military component, and that's led by the Antichrist, and more than likely, that's headquartered in Rome. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But there's also a third component, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. And that's this one world economy in which only those who take the mark of the beast will be able to participate in. Everybody else will, 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 will be killed, or they, will be, uh, they won't be able to eat, they won't be able to buy or sell, and so uh, they'll starve to death if they aren't killed. All right, now, most people, when this kingdom takes power over the earth, they're going to actually love it. They're going to love it, just like you hear this clamoring, and you you see it in America today. You see it. Europe has already arrived. This clamoring for a one-world government. When you hear politicians talking about nations without borders, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about this utopian society where there's no borders, there's no more wars, there's no more armies, uh, everybody lives happily ever after. There's just one problem with the way they approach that. They approach that without God. It's a godless society is what they're looking for. All right, and so, so uh, uh, they're going to love it because it's going to usher in this, maybe the greatest era of peace and prosperity this our world has ever seen. But it's only going to last for three and a half years, so uh, it's not going to last very long. And, and also, we saw in verse 2 of chapter 18 that this kingdom is rooted in demonism. That It says there in verse number 2 that uh, Babylon the great has fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And so, so it's rooted in demonism. And like the Tower of Babel, that's where it gets the name Babylon. Like the Tower of Babel, it represents mankind's greatest rebellion against God. The underlying purpose of this kingdom is what uh, we have described for us in Psalms 2. It's to break the bonds of the Lord in pieces and cast cast away his cords from us. Because they do not, mankind does not want the Lord to rule over them. Now what's the Lord think about all of that? Well, you read Psalms 2, the next few verses, and it says, The Lord sits on his throne, and what does he do? He laughs. And so when we get to chapters 17 and 18 and the first part of 19, we see Babylon the great falling. We see it being destroyed. Now, I used to believe that this mystery Babylon, and I want you to follow me closely here. I used to believe that every bit of it fell in one day, in one hour. When we see this fall of Babylon in chapter 18, it's a picture of the whole thing coming down in one hour. But I don't believe that anymore. And this is, gonna, this is important to understand this because it kind of plays into where maybe the location of this uh, economic component of Babylon might be. So listen to me real carefully. Uh, if there are three components to mystery Babylon, the religious component, the economic component, and the governmental component, then there very well might be three falls of Babylon. Each component falls at a different time during the Great Tribulation. And I believe that's exactly what we see in Scripture because the first component of Mystery Babylon is the religious component, this false religion led by the Antichrist, this one-world religion. And we see it, in chapter number 17. Go with me to chapter 17. Look down at verse number 16. Remember, here's the fall of the mystery harlot, the religious component of Babylon. It says, And the ten horns, which are those puppet kings of the Antichrist, the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So those two kings are going to destroy the religious component of Babylon, which is in Rome. And so uh, we know that much. All right, now, uh, then we get the second component, the fall of the second component in chapter 18. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And that's the fall of this one-world economic system uh, led by maybe uh, someone, one of these ten kings or, or the Antichrist himself. But we're going to get the fall of that system in chapter 18. That's what we'll be looking at as we finish chapter 18 today. And then in, in the third component, which is the government and military of the Antichrist, we don't see that fall until Jesus returns in chapter 19. Go with me to chapter 19 and... We'll jump ahead for a minute. Some really good news here in chapter 19. Jesus returns, and looking in verse number 19 of chapter 19, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the, on the horse, that's Jesus, and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the rest of the people that followed him were killed with a sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. That's Jesus Christ. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. And so there's actually three different events that mark the destruction of these three components of uh, Babylon. Now, Now, why did I go through all of that? Well, First of all, we, we, none of this, or not, uh, some of it is, a lot of what we see in the book of Revelation is not given to us in chronological order. And so we've got these three falls, and we don't know when they take place. We know that the Antichrist and his armies are destroyed when Jesus Christ returns. So we know that the government of the Antichrist ends when Jesus Christ returns, but we don't necessarily know when this fall of Babylon, the rest of Babylon, the religious component and the uh, economic component take place. Now, here's what I want you to see. If there's three components and three separate falls, then this could take place in three separate locations. Now, I say all of this to raise a possibility that's kind of scary today. We'll be looking at that at that when we go into to chapter 18, when we finish chapter 18. We saw the fall of uh, the one world religion in chapter 17. And we're going to see the fall of the uh, one world government in chapter uh, 19. And we're, in chapter 18, we're going to see the fall of the economic system. But where are these located? Well, we know that the, that the one world religion, we saw that. You look at chapter 17, verse 18. We know that the one world religion is located in Rome. We know that. because It can't be any clearer than that. Let me read that again. Go to chapter 17 and look at verse 18. It says, And the woman who you saw is a great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, in John's day, she's this great city who reigns in John's day over the kings of the earth. When John was writing this letter, who was reigning over the earth? Rome was the great city that reigned over the earth. So we know that the place of the fall of the great religion is none other than Rome. Well, we know that the Antichrist and his government falls. Where are they at? Where is the Antichrist at when he falls? He's in Israel. Now, I believe that the, the government of the Antichrist and his military will be set up in Rome to begin with. But if you remember, we, back, looking back in Revelation, you have these two witnesses that come into the temple and they begin to preach against the Antichrist. The Antichrist comes into the temple in the middle of the Great Tribulation at the end of the three and a half years, and he declares himself, he kills the two witnesses, and he declares himself to be God, and he sets himself up Where? He sets himself up as God in the temple. So where's he going to be at at that point? He's going to be in Jerusalem. So we're pretty sure of that. And, and then uh, he goes out to Megiddo to fight with the armies of, against the armies of the world, and that's when Jesus returns, and he, he captures the Antichrist, and he captures the, the false prophet, and he, he sends them to hell. And that's when they fall. But where is this mystery Babylon component, the economic component, where is it located? That's really interesting. Personally, more than likely, I believe it's located in Rome. But the fact we don't know its location raises the possibility that it could be some other major industrial port city. That looks like a port city. You're going to see this as we go through this. Maybe a city like London. Maybe a city like New York City. And it certainly raises the possibility. And when we read the rest of 18, I've told you before, when I study chapter 17 and I'm just looking at mystery Babylon as a whole, I see mystery Babylon located in Rome. When I come to chapter 18, it looks very similar to New York or to L.A. or maybe to a city like London. It's some port city that's the major economic hub of the world. And if this were to happen today, and this could happen again, remember I said you can't put these things in exact chronological order. If this were to happen today, I'll tell you what city it would be. It would be New York City, more than likely. So New York City is certainly a possibility. I don't know about you, but I I don't know when the last time you read chapter 18 of Revelation, but I've been studying it for a couple of weeks. And i got to tell you, what happens here looks eerily similar on a smaller scale to what happened on 9-11 in New York City when those Twin Towers fell. If you don't agree with me yet, let's read through some of this and let's, let's see if maybe you might not agree when you, when you read this. Pick up with me. We left off in chapter, I mean, chapter 18, verse 5. Pick up with me now in verse number 6, and let's read a few verses here. It says, this is speaking of Babylon here and the economic component of Babylon. It says, render to her just as she rendered to you. Now, I would capitalize the you there because that's speaking of God. The angel is saying, render to her just as she rendered to you, Lord. She hated you. You hate her. She wanted to destroy your presence in society. Lord, you destroy her presence in society is basically what that's saying. Render to her as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself against you and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her that in sorrow. Give her that in torment. For she says in her heart, and man, this looks so similar or sounds so much like America today. Listen to what she says. I sit as a queen And I am no widow, and I will see no sorrow. Who can harm me? Look at our powerful military. Who could ever harm us? Therefore, watch this, her plagues will come on her in one day. In one day, in less than a day, we're going to see, in less than an hour. Death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city of Babylon. And we don't know the name of that city, the mighty city, the greatest city on earth, for in one hour your judgment has come. So we know this is a mighty city. We know it's the greatest city in the world, and it doesn't even take a day for it to fall. It takes less than an hour for it to fall. What kind of destruction could cause the fall of a great city like that in less than an hour? Well, God could just speak it down if he wanted to, but he doesn't work that way normally. More than likely, most scholars, and I have to agree with them, believe that this is some type of nuclear attack. Now, wait a minute. I mean, isn't God the one judging here? Look, God doesn't have to do anything to judge a city. He doesn't have to do anything to judge you or me. All he has to do is leave us to ourselves. All he has to do is pull away his hedge of protection. Let God pull away your hedge of protection for a few hours and see what happens to you. Because the devil wants to destroy you. The devil wants to destroy the United States of America. And all God has to do to, to allow a city in the United States of America to be destroyed, he just has to pull away his hedge of protection and put it in the heart of some guy holding a, a button and push the button and, and the city goes up in smoke. So, and, and so all God has to do we, you know, is, is just allow it to happen. So, more than likely, this is some nuclear terrorist attack or it's some missile fired by an enemy that destroys this great city. I remember when those planes, after they hit 9 11, they were talking to one of the leaders of the CIA and they asked him, You know, this really is, is really, really shocking that this would happen to the United States of America. He said, no, he said the miracle isn't that it's happened. The miracle is that it hasn't happened before. We knew this was coming. We've been expecting this for years, and we couldn't understand why it hadn't already happened. And I, you, you can't understand why it hasn't happened since 9-11. Well, let me tell you why it hasn't happened since 9-11, because God is still protecting this nation. How long he's going to do that, I don't know. I, I hope he'll do that till he raptures his church out of here and we go on to be with him. But there are some terrible times coming to the United States, whether the United States is Babylon or Mystery Babylon, this economic center or, or not, I don't know. If the Great Tribulation were to happen now, it would be that economic center that comes down. And it could actually come down because, again, we don't know the chronological order. It could actually come down at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. And this kind of fits with what we talked about when we see this Russian bear uh, in, in, uh, coming in Daniel chapter 7, uh, Destroying this eagle and London or England having to stand on their own two feet. We see that in Daniel chapter 7. And so this very well could be the destruction of this economic system. Uh, possibly it could be in Rome. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, but uh, uh, I don't know, again, I remember during 9 11, I mean, the whole world. The whole world were, people all over the world were glued to their television sets. They were watching these towers go up in smoke, and everybody was looking at that in shock. And can you imagine as great of a shock as that was what it's going to be like when it's not just a few towers, but it's an entire city that comes down and goes up in smoke. I remember during 9-11, I remember I was watching on NBC News that night, I remember that because I think Tom Brokaw was the guy who was broadcasting. But he was broadcasting across the Hudson River from Newport, and they had the towers, the smoke of the towers in the background. And I, I remember watching that and, and just, just being in shock that that had happened in our country and seeing that smoke go up. And, and I, I just couldn't imagine what that would be like if, if the whole city were to go up in and smoke. And, and, and when you see this, looking back at this text, when the merchants see this, when the people see this burning, this Babylon burning, they weep and lament because they see their way of life going up in smoke. Look at, let's look at a few more verses here. It says, in verse number 11, it says, And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet, every kind of uh, citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and incense and fragrance and oil and frankincense, wine and flour, wheat, cattle and sheep and horses and chariots and bodies. And watch this last part. And the bodies and souls of men now here's this nation or this city and it's the number one consumer in the world and it and the merchants of this great economic system don't just make their money in trading goods at the core of their profit is our are the bodies and souls of men and women. And and I don't believe this is speaking of human trafficking here at all. This is speaking of the fact that their economic system has enslaved mankind to materialism. In other words, the goal of these merchants in their advertising and their marketing is to make their stuff the thing that we long that our soul long, longs for instead of the things of God. And so people are enslaved to these goods. But here we go. Here we, in this picture, it's all gone up in smoke. And like Lot's wife, these merchants see this and they, they, they see all of their, their way of life going up in smoke and they just can't do anything but stare. They can't do anything but just look at this city going up in smoke. Look at verse number 14. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. You know, I believe that's exactly what Lot's wife was thinking when she looked back and saw Sodom and Gomorrah burning. All she could think about was the things that her soul had longed for were gone. The things that made her rich were gone. Her power and wealth and all of those things were gone. They were gone. And she couldn't stand it. You know, I remember going back to 9-11 again. Watching those towers, and I believe that was a shot over the bow. I believe that was a wake-up call to all of us. And I remember watching those towers burn, watching them fall and then watching them burn and realizing that thousands of people had lost their life. And I began to to wonder. We didn't know what was going to happen in the coming days. We didn't know if we were going to experience this all over the country. We didn't know what these terrorists were going to do. They didn't even let people fly for a few days until they got some air marshals on the planes and did some things to try to prevent this from happening again. But I'm was i going to tell you what I was really wondering. I was wondering what's going to happen to our way of life. I mean, we have it pretty doggone good here in America. And the fact that I was so concerned about the economy of America tells you that there are a lot of things in this economy that my soul longed for that in some ways I've become materialistic, materialistic too. And hopefully I'm not as tied to this world as Lot's wife was tied to this world. I mean, I mean, hopefully I'd be like Lot when I'd see all of this happening I would have sense enough to, to, to get out of there and get, ask God to get me out of here. But it all makes you wonder. I don't know about you, but it made me wonder. I, I said, you know, what's going to happen to us? And, and what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? And it made me wonder. In verse 15, he says, the merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand. It's almost like he's repeating all of this. The merchants of these things, of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of torment themselves. They're not going in to rescue the city. Don't worry about that. They're not going to do that. And they'll be weeping and wailing, weeping and wailing, and saying, alas, alas, that great city, the greatest city in the world, the one that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour, really less than an hour, I mean, it said a day earlier, it just means in a short period of time, in one hour, such a great such great riches came to nothing, absolutely nothing. Every shipmaster, who, all who traveled by ship, sailors, and, all, and as many as trade on the sea stood a distance. Now, this makes me wonder that this might happen early on in the tribulation because we see later on in the tribulation that the ships of the sea are destroyed. And so, you know, again, it's hard to put all of this in a timetable. But it certainly raises the possibility that this could be a city in the United States. It could be be a city like London. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travels by ship, sailors, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? Who's going to replace this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they cried out, weeping and wailing. You know, they, they, they don't cry out to the Lord, Lord, have mercy on us. It's, well, our way of life is gone. Alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour, again, it's repeated, in one hour she is made desolate. She is wiped out. And the reason they wail and they weep is because as those towers go up in smoke, their way of life goes up in smoke with it. And they're like Lot's wife. They can't stand it. They can't stand it. And all they can do is look. All they can do is look. Now, that's not the attitude in heaven at this point. And it shouldn't be the attitude of believers at this point. We will be in heaven at this point. And it won't be our idea. It's, this is a bitter pill, and it's a sweet pill. Look at verse number 20, what he says in verse number 20. He says, Rejoice over this is what's going on in heaven, O oh heaven, and your whole and your holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. He's taken out vengeance on her. So has, heaven isn't weeping at this point. Heaven is rejoicing because this one world economy that has set itself up in opposition to God and has persecuted and killed the apostles and prophets, it's gone in one hour, in less than one hour. It's gone. It's destroyed. Now, this verse right here leads a lot of people to identify Babylon as Jerusalem. I don't agree with that at all because uh, Jerusalem doesn't fit any of the other clues. Jerusalem did... The city was responsible for the death of some apostles and some prophets. A lot of prophets, by the way, but I, I, it just doesn't fit any of the other clues, and so I don't think it could be. Uh, it, I don't think it could be the city. Rome does fit. Rome fits because a lot of the apostles, remember, were killed. Peter, Paul, they were killed in Rome, and so it does does fit. Uh, I don't, I, I lean towards Rome, but I still don't rule out the possibility that it's a city like London or a city like New York City. Right now, we aren't killing the apostles and prophets. Let me tell you what, there are apostles and prophets today. Maybe not so much apostles, but I know there are prophets today. There are people who speak the word of God in truth by the spirit of God, and they are prophets, and I believe there are prophets in our world today. And I believe there are prophets in America today. And so far, we haven't killed our prophets. But let me tell you what, that could change overnight. We're right on the verge of that. You look at what happened recently in California. In California, they passed a law that virtually will ban Bibles. And so if you teach a Bible, a New King James or King James Bible, then you will be thrown in jail. And if if that doesn't stop you, then they very well might kill you. We're right on the verge of that. The same evil heart that destroyed the prophets and apostles back in the days of of Elijah and back in the days of, let me give you one that was killed, like Zechariah. In those days, that same heart, the same heart that put Jesus on the cross, it is running rampant today in the United States of America. And so this very well could change overnight. I, I don't know if you're following the news, but uh, in London this past week, there's a, he calls himself a Christian, and I'm not so high on his Christianity, but there's a guy over there named Tommy Robinson. I don't know if you all have read about his story or not. But Tommy Robinson speaks out against the Islamic invasion of Europe, and he's warning Europe against this invasion and he was at a trial of some, a group of Muslims who had raped a young girl, and he was outside videotaping by the trial, and they arrested him. Now, here's what they did. They didn't just arrest him. They arrested him, and the judge sentenced him to 13 months in prison without a trial, and they threw him in prison. I mean, without even a lawyer or a say or anything, he was thrown in prison because he's against Islam. That's some scary stuff right there that's coming to America soon. I mean, all you have to do, you, the heart's there already. If they can get the right Supreme Court justices and the right governors and the right mayors and those kind of people in the place, you will see persecution of the church. The only thing that has stopped that has been the grace of God up until now. But the heart, that evil heart is there. I saw this past week with a mayor of New York City, uh, Blasio. Said that he that he called for a boycott again of Chick Fil A. Now, poor Chick Fil A, they, they sell the best chicken sandwich in the world. Leave them alone. Just eat your chicken sandwich. But here's what he said. He says they back a. Uh, it's a system that it, that it, uh, is, that promotes a pervasive form of Christianity. No, we don't want that Christianity in New York. We don't want that kind of Christianity in New York, and we don't want it here. So boycott him. He knows he can't shut them down because he'd lose in the, he would lose in the courts. So he's saying boycott them, and, and they've they got lines outside trying to get in so it's not working. And there's some good people in America still, thank God. But there's coming a time we are right on the verge of that. And those same people that would boycott a poor place like a rich place like Chick-fil-A, they would have your head if they could get it. And when the laws are made to where they can get your head, they will get your head. And that could happen overnight in the United States of America, especially if there's a rapture and all the churches taken out of here. And so this very well could be London. It very well could be New York City. Again, I lean to Rome, but it could be one of those cities. All right, now let's look at a. More verses here as we finish up. He says in verse 21, he says, Then the mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it to the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. The sound of the millstone shall not be heard from you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were great men of the earth, the greatest men of the earth. Now, I got to tell you, that fits the United States of America. The greatest wealth in this world is in the United States. You don't realize that California is the fifth largest economy in the world. The city of Los Angeles economy is is greater than like two-thirds of the nations in the world. And the great merchants of the earth, for your great merchants were the great men of the earth, and by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. By your sorcery. You know what he's saying right here? He's saying, turn out the lights. The party's over. The party's over. No more revelry. No more weddings. No more shops. No more factories. It's all been destroyed. Why has it been destroyed? Because the foundation of this economic system is demonic. How do you know it's demonic? If it's based upon covetousness and greed and self-centeredness. Any economy based upon that is demonic. Look, I'm a capitalist and I believe in capitalism, but not greedy, self-centered capitalism that runs over all sorts of others. I certainly am not a communist. I don't believe you just hand it to people. God believes we should work for what we get. And he blesses our work. And he blesses those who, who have a relationship with him. I believe in all of those things. But when, when we begin to use our power and our position and our wealth to harm others, to get more wealth. I, I love that line in that movie Wall Street. I mean, the guy says, how many yachts can you water ski behind? You know, I mean, how much, how much money do you need? We, we reach a point, some point, where we, we, we're, we're, we're clamoring for more when we have all we possibly need. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And this economy, this economy of, the, of Babylon is based purely upon uh, sorcery. I mean, it's demonic at its roots. And it's all coming down. And that's not the only reason it's destroyed. Look at verse number 24. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. That's interesting. Everyone who was slain on the earth, including the prophets and the saints, that in her was found their blood. Now, I think maybe you could look at this in a physical sense and you could say that that this represents the worldwide persecution of the saints. But everyone who's been slain hasn't been a saint or a prophet. I think there's something spiritual going on right here. I think this represents the fall of people caused by the allurement of this economic system. That's what it's speaking of. It's this economic system that's caused God's people to look back instead of looking up. It's entrapped God's children in its web of pleasure so that things become the things that our soul longs for instead of the spiritual things of God. And... Even God's people get entrapped by this. I mean, I, you can't help but get entrapped by this to some degree in the United States of America. I mean, if you watch your television, I mean, you put it on your iPhone. You, you, you drive down the street, everything that's thrown at you is some kind of commercial to buy something. And somehow you, you keep hearing that and you think, man, I might need that big bag, you know. I see it every. day, I've seen it all day long. I might have go get me one of those. we can apply that to anything. And so a lot of us are like Lot. We live with one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. And that never works out for the people of God. How did it work out for Lot? Not so good. He saved his life, but he lost his whole family. I mean, when it came time and the angel said, get you, get you and your family and get out of here because I'm about to destroy this place, Lot's family laughed at him. I mean, who are you? I mean, you're sitting at the gate every day. You're living in the finest palace. You've you got the finest things. You're, all, you're as much a part of Sodom as the rest of Sodom. Maybe you're not a homosexual like the rest of these people, but you're just like them in so many other ways. Who are you to tell us to get out? This is our, this is a, our way of life. And they wouldn't leave. And then you got Lot's wife who couldn't, she left, but she really couldn't leave, and she looked back. And what she really longed for was, wasn't getting out of there and away from that evil place. She wanted to go back. And so she was turned into a pillow of salt. And that's the way a lot of us are. I tell you what, there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who are just like Lot's wife. Their heart is entrenched in this world, and it ain't going anywhere. And, and, and you can reach a point, you've become so worldly that, that you can't be saved. And then there's a lot of us, I think, that are a like, lot like Lot. A lot like Lot, pretty good, huh? we got one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. And our so- souls long for the fruit of this world every bit as much as we long for the fruit of the Spirit, maybe more. That's a dangerous place to be. It's a real dangerous place to be. Let me tell you why it's a dangerous place to be. Because there's a fine line between being Lot and being Lot's wife. And there's a lot of people who think they're Lot, but they're really Lot's wife. And she wasn't saved. Or John's a liar because John said in 1 John 2, verse 15, Do not love the world. Do not love the world. The world is Babylon. The world is Sodom. Do not love the world or the things, this world system. You can love the good things of this earth that God gives you, but not this world system that's anti-Christ. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, now this is not me, this is John speaking, this is God speaking. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If the, world, the love of the Father is not in you, you are not saved. And so it's very dangerous to live like Lot because you very well might be like Lot's wife. And we don't want to be like her. But I don't want to be like Lot either. I don't want to be saved as through fire. I don't want to be saved like that. Look, there's a place of balance for the Christian. There is a place of balance. Where... We can enjoy the good things of this life that God gives us. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. We know what's good. Let me tell you what, if you're a Christian, you know what's good. You know the things that you're consuming that are good, and you know the things you're consuming that are bad. And if you let your heart get into those things that are bad, you're going to either become like Lot, or worse still, you're going to be like Lot's wife. You're never really saved. But there's a place of balance. I think Abraham. I know Abraham had that place of balance. I mean, he's a great example of somebody who kept things in balance. I mean, Abraham was a wealthy man, maybe one of the most one of the wealthiest men on this earth. But he never embraced those things and brought them and made those the God of his heart. He held things loosely. He held his material wealth loosely. What was his desire? God was his, his heart's desire. God was his exceedingly great reward. In Hebrews, it says that Abraham waited. He longed not for Sodom. He had a chance to go to Sodom. He didn't long for Sodom. Abraham waited on a city that has greater foundations. a city whose builder and maker is God. That's the balance we want to have. And how about you? I mean, ask this question. Honestly, to yourself, what is your true heart's desire? What fruit does your soul really long for? And let me tell you what, we need to settle that issue right now because you can see the destruction of Babylon on the horizon. So remember Lot's wife and never look back. Always look up because your redemption draweth nigh to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this warning, Lord. We, We all need to work out things in our own hearts and be sure, Lord, that we have truly given our lives to you and not to this world. Father, we love the gifts you give us. We love some pleasures of this earth, Lord, but help us to never let us embrace those things into our heart in a way that they interfere with our relationship with you. Lord, if we've got idols in our life, we've got things of this world in our life that do interfere with our relationship with you, Lord, show us what they are. Identify those things and give us the grace to destroy them and take them out of our lives, Lord, we want to... We want to be watching when you come. We want to be longing when, we, when you come. And we know that the time of your arrival is near. So help us to be those kind of Christians, Lord, who hold onto the things of this world very loosely and hold very tightly onto our faith and our salvation in Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. We'll so do the Lord's Supper now.
1: So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath and our lungs. so we pour out our praise to you.
0: You know, I believe time is really short, really short. I believe the destruction of Babylon is coming soon. And the, the wicked and this wicked world is coming down. But we're not coming down with it. We're going up. We're going up to be with the Lord, not because we're better than other people. We're going up because of what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross. His body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could have the perfect righteousness of God, so that we could be changed from wicked people to righteous people, so that we could be made fit. For heaven, And by his blood and by his broken body, we have been made just that. Thank you, Lord. I received from the Lord that which I also have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do do, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.